Hi, my name's Mark Yagjin, and I'm a uh, former tech uh, entrepreneur. And now that I'm retired, I wanted to get into the game because I was uh, displeased with the direction of uh, Texas. And I support Progress Texas because I think they're really the highest quality left-leaning publication. And I know I enjoy the news and information that they that I consume. But I'm also pleased with the distribution and, and the ability to get the, the word out. I'd like a. Uh, a renaissance of the Texas Democratic Party. It's Thursday, September 21st, 2023, and this is the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch. Rapid response on the breaking news stories Texas progressives need to know. I'm Chris Mosier. The Texas border is at the top of the news today as an unusually large surge of migrants has crowded into Eagle Pass, Texas. A collaborative piece in the New York Times by J. David Goodman, Edgar Sandoval, Miriam Jordan, and Eileen Sullivan says thousands of migrants entered from Mexico just yesterday, crowding onto the banks of the Rio Grande and under an international bridge at Eagle Pass. Mayor Rolando Salinas Jr. has declared a state of emergency, seeking additional support to respond to the influx of migrants that reached 2,500 yesterday. All of this is part of a substantial overall increase in recent crossings along the southern border, reaching levels not seen in months, and taxing resources in California and Arizona as well as here in Texas. In Eagle Pass, the city's lone shelter provider has been overwhelmed. Governor Greg Abbott blames President Joe Biden, of course, posting yesterday that his Operation Lone Star is ramping up efforts to, quote, repel migrants at the border, whatever that means. Abbott claims U.S. Border Patrol agents cut razor wire at Eagle Pass, which allowed the influx of migrants to cross. Mayor Salinas says the migrants themselves appear to have managed to cut it. Federal officials say 800 new active-duty military personnel have been deployed to Eagle Pass to help process the arrivals. U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro N. Mayorkas tells The Times that his department has extended temporary protective status for Venezuelan asylum seekers in particular. More as this develops. Also at the border, Texas DPS has restarted enhanced vehicle inspections this week at two border points of entry, the first time since last December, when a similar effort caused sufficient traffic backlogs to exacerbate existing supply chain issues. Aron Torres at the Dallas Morning News writes that more stringent inspections of cars and trucks are taking place at the Isleta Zaragoza Bridge in El Paso and the Camino Real Bridge in Eagle Pass. State Rep. Eddie Morales, who represents the area, said in a text message that he has received numerous complaints over the renewed inspections already because of longer wait times for commercial lanes for the bridge, which at last report were six hours long coming into El Paso and three hours long coming into Eagle Pass. Even as it's been over for a few days now, the Ken Paxton impeachment provides instructive insight on how things are rolling within the Texas Republican Party and how that may influence the party largely in control of Texas politics moving forward. Patrick's VTech of the Texas Tribune says that many of the Republican senators who were primed to vote for Paxton's conviction flipped their votes when they realized the overall total would be short. Deliberations among the senators following closing arguments apparently began in good faith, but quickly turned to a math exercise as political calculations set in amongst Republican senators. The Senate may have been close to the threshold for conviction, but Republicans did not want to face unnecessary heat over votes to convict if they could not get the total number needed to finish the job. 
Democratic Senator Nathan Johnson of Dallas says, quote, I feel there were six senators who were ready to be the 21st vote, but they didn't want to be the 20th vote, unquote. Look for similar pressure by outside hard-right forces to cow Republican senators into voting against the best interests of their constituents in the upcoming battle over school vouchers. The Republican Party, in control of Texas, appears to be itself in the firm control of its most radical right-wing MAGA fringe. Also on the Paxton matter, the phrase, there are no coincidences in Austin, was invoked several times by both sides during the presentation of evidence meant to draw disparate pieces of information into a cohesive narrative. But that phrase has an interesting and little-known history in Texas politics. Neat read by Dan Solomon at Texas Monthly on that in the show notes this morning. Education is very much on our minds as the voucher session approaches and several items in that department again this morning. The Crown Act story develops. Chantellis Duster at CNN writes that officials at Barbers Hill High School in Mont Bellevue near Houston have asked a court to clarify if the district's dress code violates the Crown Act, the new Texas state law that prohibits discrimination on the base of cultural hairstyles. The district is hanging its case on whether the Crown Act protects hairstyles based on hair length. The technicality in their male grooming code they've used to suspend junior Daryl George twice since the school year began. Barbers Hill Superintendent Greg Poole says his district believes that the Crown Act does not preclude enforcement of limits on hair length for male students. We'll let you know what the judge says. Meanwhile, disciplinary trouble in East Texas as a high school principal in Overton, just south of Kilgore, has been arrested after he paddled a female student, causing her bodily injury. Although the practice is legal in Texas, Overton High School principal Jeffrey Hogg was arrested yesterday on one count of assault, having whacked the teenage girl three times over an undisclosed infraction. The unnamed student suffered visible bruising at least 48 hours after the paddling and reported a complaint with the Rusk County Sheriff's Office. Pooja Salholtra at the Texas Tribune says Hogg has not been formally charged and has returned to his duties as principal. Overton District Superintendent Larry Calhoun defends Hogg, saying he acted in accordance with school district policies. Texas is one of just 17 states that still allow corporal punishment in its public schools. Education advocates and child development experts say the practice inflicts fear and negative mental health impacts on students, but several Republican Texas lawmakers have resisted ending physical punishment of Texas school kids because the practice is supported by passages in the Bible. Also in Texas education, we told you yesterday that Frisco ISD took the prize in a story we referenced yesterday for having banned the most books so far. It's like it's become a race at this point as Katie ISD has added 14 more titles to its list of banned books, having added nudity as a new criteria for censorship. Shafek Patel and Emma Hurd at Axios Houston say Texas saw the most attempts to restrict or ban books of any state in the country in 2022 last year, according to a recent report from the American Library Association, and that trend has continued skyward over this year. Good news and bad news in higher education today. Dalia Fahid at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram says an adjustment to criteria used by U.S. News & World Report has been made after complaints over their methodology and their annual ranking of U.S. colleges, resulting in rising for several Texas institutions following the change. University of Texas system campuses saw the most benefit, with UT San Antonio getting the biggest bump up 92 slots to number 280, 
while UT Rio Grande Valley, UT El Paso, and UT Arlington also rose considerably. Texas Women's University and Texas State were also upgraded. Rice, SMU, Baylor, and TCU all already ranked quite a bit higher than the aforementioned campuses, all saw slight drops, but all remained in the top 100. And the bad news in higher ed, as Gabriel Aranya at the Texas Observer writes that McCarthyism rides again at Texas universities. It's an important read in which Aranya writes, quote, while the ostensible goal of anti-diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, efforts is to prioritize merit over race in higher education and get rid of all the so-called divisive diversity stuff that liberal academics champion, the real intent is to put radicals, uppity queers, minorities, and liberals in their place, unquote, adding that the observer is now having difficulty getting academic professionals to go on the record about any of this at all, even anonymously. The chilling effect of the assault on diversity at Texas colleges is already evident. And it's not just in our institutions of higher learning. Lewis Bedford at the Dallas Morning News writes of a Texas brain drain that is gaining momentum as the impact of conservative priorities on policy in Texas is causing an increasing number of young educated professionals to dismiss the idea of coming to our state and leading those already here to leave Texas in search of better opportunities and more inclusive environments elsewhere. Vaguely worded laws regarding reproductive care and draconian penalties for violating them are similarly affecting the opinions of rising medical minds about practicing in Texas. A survey of current and future physicians conducted by the Journal of General Internal Medicine saw 76% of respondents saying they wouldn't even bother to apply in a state with an abortion ban like the one we have now in Texas. Bedford says that on our current path, Texas is actively pushing away the very people we need in order to continue our growth and innovation. At this point, we bring up one of the towering heroes of medical and scientific innovation in Texas, Dr. Peter Hotez, and a Texas Monthly piece by Will Bostwick that starts with a warning from the good doctor, anti-science views are literally killing us. Hotez has become as well-known for his resistance to the COVID conspiracy-driven targeting he's received during his time as an innovator in the pandemic struggle as he is for his own work as a vaccine scientist. And he's out with a new book in response to the anti-science movement that's been given life and momentum by the likes of Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, The Deadly Rise of Anti-Science, A Scientist's Warning. Hotez's new book was released yesterday. You want to add it to your list. Speaking of vaccines, I myself got a fresh COVID booster just last night. While the arm's a little sore, I'm feeling great this morning. COVID-19 hospitalizations and deaths are on the rise slightly across the nation right now. So see the show notes for a link to a Texas Tribune piece by Ali Jewell that covers free COVID-19 tests and updated vaccines as the cold season approaches. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services paused their free rapid test program last May, but will resume orders on its website starting September 25th. Recently updated Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are now available and should work well against the most widely circulating COVID strains, which all are Omicron-based. The CDC recommends that all of us six months or older get an updated COVID-19 shot as the fall and winter months begin. And still more vital reading you'll find in this morning's show notes. Yet another item from the Texas Tribune by Robert Downen on a report that's dropped today by the Anti-Defamation League that examines nearly three years of, quote, alarming levels of extremist ideology and activity in Texas. 
transforming our state into a hotbed for extremism and anti-Semitism driven by the heavy presence of white supremacist and anti-LGBTQ plus groups that are headquartered or active in Texas, including Patriot Front, which is based in the Dallas area, churches affiliated with the new independent fundamental Baptist movement that preach extreme and violent messages about the LGBTQ plus community, including Steadfast Baptist Church, also in the Dallas area. The report follows years of warnings that extremist groups have been emboldened by the Republican Party who pander to their views in order to garner their support at the ballot box and intimidate their opponents. And that's the Progress Texas Daily Dispatch for this Thursday, September 21st, 2023. Links to all these original stories, a lot to read today. Find all of them in our show notes. Thanks to your support, our podcasts are now within the top 5% for listenership in the entire world. Please consider helping us continue our important work by joining our ongoing membership drive at progresstexas.org. I'm Chris Mosier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again tomorrow morning.